by adding more of our, our staff to come in and respond to new topics, we've seen some of our traffic decline, which uh, I think is a direct correlation to a launch of our new knowledge base. Welcome back to Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast from Koros. You are looking for the next step toward creating a connected customer experience. And this is the place to learn from industry peers and leaders how to build a CX strategy with human connection so that you can create customers for life. Let's get started. Welcome. I'm Philippe Mesritz, Vice President of Customer Experience here at Coros and your host for today. I'm excited to have Drew Claybrook here on the show. He's the digital support community manager of NetApp and someone that we consider a titan of customer engagement. He's participated in two Guinness World Record flip-flop 1Ks. Drew, in about 30 seconds, what is that? I've never heard of it, but it sounds really cool. Yeah, so the flip-flop 1K started kind of as a fun way to set a world record for the most number of people to walk one kilometer in thong flip-flops. So that's flip-flops without heel straps. The Guinness certified record set in 2018 was 1,346 participants. I got to do that twice in uh, 2017. Couldn't go in 2019, and then we all know what 2020 was like. So looking forward to being able to do something unique like that again. Wow, that's awesome. We had an opportunity to connect recently, and you brought up some customers, some ideas of ways to think about how to help your customers interact effectively with your brand in channels that are that work for both parties that focus on community. So I thought that'd be a great topic for our audience to kick off today. So Drew, I know that NetApp had lots of options. Tell me about how you approached it and what you thought about. Yeah, so um, you know, when we spoke earlier, I, I kind of talked about how there are lots of ways for our customers to interact with us. Um, you know, whether it's social media, which is primarily a marketing tool and not really for support in a B2B kind of environment, but you know, really, I want to make sure that we don't create more communities and community really is all encompassing in my opinion, you know, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, Reddit, you know, that's kind of an unstoppable force. And, uh, we do see a lot of participation there as well. It's kind of like a friendly competition in its own way. But when you use the word, you know, channels, we've got several ways that we look at that as well. It's a good term to use. So our support structure is really based on KCS V6 practices and currently a three support or or sorry, a three channel support model. For those that are unaware is knowledge centered service or knowledge centered support. So some of our may not know that. So go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. You get so accustomed to the uh, initialisms and stuff. Um, But yeah, so our, our three channels, the support site serves as our assisted channel. Uh, assisted support. And then um, if you're looking for self-service, that's our knowledge base. But because we're here to talk about communities, that's our peer-to-peer channel. And, uh, you know, we're even considering additional channels like uh, in-product support, uh, NetApp's ActiveIQ, we can detect and predict problems before they occur. So it's really about the evolution of support in general. But uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey here in my short time at NetApp. When you think about focusing on community, how do you drive people to the place that you want them to? What is kind of your your view on bringing people there? Because to your point, in B2B, often social is marketing, although there are companies that are using social for support as well. So it is, it is an option. But in NetApp's case, you kind of made the choice to say, that's marketing, this is support, drive people to your official community wherever you can. 
knowing that there's others as well. So how do you drive that and how do you make that effective? I think really to answer that, I'll give you a little bit of short history on how NetApp has used the community over the years. So a NetApp community, and I say a NetApp, not the NetApp community where we currently are, it's existed since 2008 and uh, was migrated to Chorus in 2014, primarily owned by marketing, used social media and blogging tool. And as those of you might guess, it had limited success there. Uh, So in late 2019, we made a decision to move that ownership over to our digital support organization. And then I joined in January 2020. Um, And really to make sure that everything that happens on the community does get a a good answer and has eyes on it and, and to bring people in is to make that support channel valuable. One of the early things that I did to try and make sure that uh, we could triage the community was to implement a backstop team uh, that was partnered with our level one support team. And really we wanted to use that to make sure that outstanding questions get answers, that any topics that already have answers are actually marked as a solution. And then uh, really to get a better understanding of the types of questions and types of topics being posted. And then later we supplemented that with some of our knowledge domain experts, our KDEs, and then you know tie it all together with unified search. We, we've kind of got the whole package there. No, that's great. I mean, I think being able to bring people in and making sure that people feel like they're ans- getting their questions answered is incredibly important for the success of your community. So I know one of the things that we talked about was how you can measure the success around the growth of the community and how you justify some of it. And you had a a unique spin on this. Uh, and I thought it was really kind of a, a, an interesting way to approach it. So can you tell our audience a little bit about that? I think we probably could. So it, I feel like it's unique. I don't really hear many people talking about it. And, you know, rather than use metrics that can be gamed, like, you know, X employee submitted X or Y number of replies, we really look at the number of kudos across the community. And they were called likes, we actually changed the name of those recently on the site to be you know, synonymous with the platform and, and really to indicate what they are. But it seems to be one of the most organic measures of overall user satisfaction that we've got. You know, they're kind of a, a regular and unobtrusive metric that so far we haven't really seen users try to exploit because you know, they're one for one. You can't really easily create lots of accounts and kudo your own stuff. In my uh, metrics, I have kind of separated our internal site which we can talk about later from our site total. Since having that backstop team and then later renamed to a moderation team, um, we've seen the number of kudos, total kudos clicks on the site really skyrocket, um, really since October or so of last year. And you measure that kind of month over month? Is that the way you look at it? Yeah, that's the easiest way to export the metrics out of the system. We have a monthly uh, operations report, community operations report that uh, goes out to management and you know, talk about trends and issues that we see in the community and ways to you know, get ahead of any potential problems. Interesting. Um, and you mentioned kind of internal separation. What do you mean by that? So one of the things that we did last year, last year you know, being 2020, was really try and get some of our internal teams away from using email and into the community. Um, you know, there's a private section that's been cordoned off and, and built for them so that we can really get rid of some of the repetition. It's kind of like building our own knowledge base without being a knowledge base, you know, in the formal sense of the word. But it allows users to come in and search. And, you know, we actually found um, 46% of page views on this private space 
or on posts that were older than two weeks. So it's really telling us that people are searching, that this knowledge persistence, if you will, um, is working. And it, it really means a lot for the success of the area that we've got. Yeah, no, I mean, those are great metrics. The, simply the fact that you've been able to leverage it internally, it's something that we've done as well on our community side. We've got our internal space as well to measure the similar use case metric. But I haven't looked at how many comparative are, are to, to older contents. So I think that's that maybe something that we'll have to take a look at as well. Yeah, it's a unique way to, to look at the just use of the community. And it's very different than just looking at search analytics. You can see what people are trying to find, but you don't necessarily know the age of the content that they're actually clicking on. So I was intrigued by that metric, and it's something that I hopefully can continue using going forward. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, I think that's it's a cool way of looking at the world. We also talked a little bit about some of the things that you're doing within your community that maybe other people could learn from. So what's something that you found really useful that your uh, users are finding to be beneficial? I mentioned earlier that the community kind of sat and floundered for a long time. And so coincidentally, by adding more of our, our staff to come in and respond to new topics, we've seen some of our traffic decline, which, uh, I think is a direct correlation to a launch of our new knowledge base back in May of last year. So we've kind of cannibalized ourselves in a way, but you know, ultimately the goal is to ensure that people are getting answers that they're there because they have questions and our percentage of traffic from Google really hasn't changed. I think it's pretty consistent across most communities, you know, month over month, you'll see 75 to 80% of traffic is from, you know, some organic search, be it Bing or Google or whatever you might use. And I, you know, despite having some um, you know, page view metrics in decline, those types of percentages haven't really changed. It just means that they're going somewhere else. And that somewhere else is, you know, by and large, our own resources. Great. Uh, when we talked last, we were, you were talking about something that you had implemented recently. So when we talked last, the other thing that we were talking about was around how you use group hubs. Tell us a little bit about how you've been able to put that into play. Yeah, so for the longest time, we really didn't use groups even. It just kind of existed as a very custom place for people who are curious about our NetApp A-team, our advocacy team. There's a place for them to land and read more about who the A-team members are and, and what that group does, but I needed to expand that. You know, little known fact, we actually have two implementations of Chorus Community. We're going to be merging those. That's the, One's primarily internal, but that you know, that's a different discussion. Um, but as such, we needed to have a way to... Um, make sure that we use some of the newer features, that being group hubs. So I've built one for the A-team, and there's also spaces for like early access or beta programs. And some of those um, members are actually using our group hubs now, which works out really, really well because I can just create them quickly. They're a whole lot easier to create than um, you know, a regular discussion board and then assigning permissions, for instance. And it saves me the, the clicks of having to go and add users. And so you know, having an admin to be able to manage their own space is really, really awesome and lets me focus on um, the more advanced pieces of community management. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, that's a great use case there. The group hubs functionality allows for a lot of flexibility. And so using it as an EA program and, and, and driving that is a great way of doing that. I think the last question I've kind of got for you is, what do you think our listeners should take as the next step after listening to this podcast? What's something that they should be thinking about 
uh, implementing or doing? Yeah, it's a good question. And you know, one of the things that I've been asked several times um, internally is, you know, how can users share ideas with us? And, um, you know, I know Chorus has an ideas board as well, but it's important that if you do that, to make sure that you have a plan for, you know, what somebody might call it a critical tough love post. Uh, you don't want your product teams to be blindsided by commentary that comes in from the community, especially if it's not always positive. So make sure that they're following along. So when you think about your product team following along and your customers following along and being part of that ideas exchange, do you have advice for people of like, here's how you get your teams to be engaged or, uh, and not just let it sit there? Well, I'll be honest with you. We don't have an ideas board for that reason. You know, it, it's really hard to guarantee that you can have organization, especially as large as, as NetApp is, to have the right people follow along and then commit to whatever those ideas are. You know, most companies have product or processes for those to come in through the sales teams. And we all understand that that could be somewhat clunky, but for now, that is the way we have to do it. If I were to make an ideas board about what do you want from support, for example, I could probably manage that. But we also have other feedback mechanisms that are you know, already implemented in our processes. So it's a really tough space to be, but it's something that when it works well, it's you know, appreciated by, by customers and, and otherwise. Yeah, so it sounds like your, piece, your advice is either go full bore or don't do it at all because trying to do it halfway just, just simply doesn't work effectively. Go all in. Okay, great. Anything else that you think that Net, NetApp is doing right now that you want to kind of call out and say, here's another interesting thing that you're doing, whether it's metrics or ways that you're encouraging users, super users, recognition programs, you kind of name it. Any other thing that you thought this would be really interesting? Well, so one of the things that I found in uh, my first couple of months uh, when I joined NetApp as community manager was that a lot of the categories and boards were uh, based really heavily on marketing-centered naming. And, you know, because the community kind of had a low point for a while where there wasn't good active uh, management, those names had changed, and so they didn't match, you know, current day. And so, you know, I, I would implore you to not focus on sticking with marketing-centered naming, especially if the terminology seems that it changes every couple of years. I might suggest that instead consider how your customers interact with your applications, look at search term metrics, see if there's gaps, maybe some pitfalls, and even look at uh, how topics are moved. If, if you think people are placing them in the wrong category, for example, why did they do that? What, what's the issue that led them to put it in the wrong place? And you know, just simplify. Um, you know, that, that's kind of one of the community practices is you know, only build what you need. You don't want to have too many uh, buckets for content. I think that's great. And Drew, thanks for your time. Um, I think it's been a great conversation and, and I know our audience will appreciate it. And I actually love that last point of making sure that you don't necessarily name it the way that you think of things, but thinking about it in the way that your users are going to think about it when they need help. What are they looking for? What are your users and your customers actually needing when they come and talk to you? Because that will just help them be more successful in the long run. So before we go, Drew, where can our listeners follow you, check out your content? So I'm pretty quiet on social media, but you can find me on Twitter at Drew Claybrook. Uh, of course, you can also find me in the NetApp community. Uh, our support team has the NetApp KB TV YouTube channel, as well as NetApp Assist on Facebook and Twitter. And then the larger NetApp accounts are 
pretty easy to find. If you just look us up pretty much anywhere, you'll find that out. Awesome, Drew. Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks for coming, Drew. Until the next time on Titans of Customer Engagement. Thanks for spending time with us today on Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave us a review, and spread the word. Your feedback means a lot to us. Continue the conversation on Koros Atlas at community.koros.com. Until next time. The CX world is now digital first. It's what customers expect and Koros can help. Koros is an award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. You can harness the power of human connection across the customer experience from outbound marketing, social, messaging, chat, and SMS to owned and digital communities. Customer engagement means staying always connected. Find out how customer-first software and services can make you a titan of customer engagement at Kuros.com.